Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast brought to you by Tricress. We are on a mission to make it happen for every ambitious SME on the planet and we're doing that by delivering you fantastic tried and tested business coaching and consulting through our app called Fuel My Business. We're also doing that through a network of talented and highly experienced Tricrest partners who are on the ground business coaches and consultants. But for today, you're going to hear from real life entrepreneurs and business owners who are on all kinds of journeys, the beginning, the middle and the end. We want you to learn from this and know that you are not alone. Enjoy. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. I have Julie Grieve with me here today. She is the CEO and founder of a company called Crichton. Hi, Julie. How are you? Hello, Rebecca. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Okay. So first things first, what does Crichton do? <laughs> Crichton is a guest engagement and integrations platform. So we're all about helping independent hotels be able to compete in the new technology revolution for the hospitality industry. And it's about bringing together all of the guests facing technology to make it easy for guests to engage. Brilliant. Okay. Now you would have had to have been hiding under a rock in a cave on top of a very large mountain not to notice that the hospitality and tourism sector has been hit the hardest during 2020. How on earth have you been engaging with your customers? Well, after the announcement in March of lockdown and that period when you look back, you know, which I think was so blindingly obvious it was coming to us, but we were all just thinking it was going to be the same as SARS. We, we probably had a couple of days where we all just took a deep breath and thought, ooh. And then as a team, we sat down and we said, you know, what are, what are we going to do? How can we help? And so we came up with a coronavirus strategy. It's, it's, it's actually on my wall next to me. And it's the sort of five pillars of what we wanted to try and achieve. So we, we're at that stage where we really need users of our platform. So how can we make sure that people still use our platform in a in an industry where there's crisis and quite often shutdowns and you know how can we look after a team how can we still continue and we came up with a, a new package so a, a stripped back version of our software which we gave away free of charge an extended free trial which basically led to us more than tripling the number of locations we worked with and that meant that as as throughout the industry, <clears throat> as lots of people were being furloughed, um, I was recruiting and we were absolutely up to our eyeballs. And, and I think the biggest challenge was scaling under pressure. <laughs> so yeah. we, we were building way more apps than we'd ever built before. And, you know, dealing with lots of customers at the same time and customers were launching. And so <clears throat> it, it's been a really hard time for the sector, but what happened for Crichton specifically is that all of a sudden we moved from sort of a nice to have to a must have. They needed that contactless, paperless guest information and guest journey. And, you know, the sector has been massively 
impacted by COVID-19, but they're such an agile sector. I mean, it's so inspirational to work with these people. You know, they keep coming back, <clears throat> that you can knock them down and they keep standing up. So it's been, it's been tough to watch, but it's also been massively inspirational to work with them. Good. I mean, I can't imagine how hard that must be. I mean, you must have come across some quite heartbreaking stories over this year. I think that the real interesting thing is that there's a there's a distinct split. So city central hotels have been absolutely decimated. Okay. Um, and uh, resorts and you know seaside forests forestry you know rural that sort of thing they've done really well so i think the hardest thing is to see that that rebound after that first lockdown everyone opened and some hotels were having the best summer of their life wow. and, you know they were able to charge it was all domestic the length of stay increased which means it's um generally more uh, profitable for a hotel so that was that was amazing and then you had these city central hotels london trading at eight ten percent no yeah yeah really and and edinburgh i mean edinburgh in august had the highest occupancy of a city in europe and it was 60 percent Goodness me. Of course, August in, in, in Edinburgh generally, they would have been running very, very close to full. And the thing is, not only was their occupancy impacted, but their rate was massively down. So it that has been very hard to watch. And, and again, amazing looking at how these different uh, operators react. And you've got some people who own both city centre and uh, mm. rural locations. So it, it's been so tough. And I think, you know, there was real um, sort of spirit as we got to reopen. And then, of course, the next wave has happened. And it's felt very um, disorganised. It's not easy to close a hotel down and open a hotel on a pin. And, you know, not not only are you losing trade, of course, and, and actually people were booking and then cancelling, mm-hmm. um, but you're also seeing things like all the stock, you know, the larders, um, you know, do we buy food for this weekend or not? These, <coughs> these, um, these decisions are really, really hard and really impactful to whether or not a business is cash flow is stable. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. So you're a pretty resilient person, Julie. I've known you for a number of years. Tell us how you built that resilience up, because I knew you as the manager of the Abbey Business Centre on, on Princess Street when we were one of your tenants. Yeah. How how has that journey prepared you for today? I mean, I think whenever I whenever someone says to me, "Well, you're very resilient," why is that? I, I just look at my parents. As I was growing up, my um, my mum and dad were very entrepreneurial, and so that meant that we had highs and lows. And I think I think I was twelve when we had a big bankruptcy and lost everything and you know the bank took the house and and we went from being very successful to having nothing but mum and dad just picked themselves up and uh, you know we we moved from uh, Cumbernauld to Stirling we rented a house my dad negotiated a deal in it he went and got a job and we were fine and we might not have had the coolest things you know so maybe the blue trainers were cool we got the brown trainers that sort of thing but it's sort of it makes you realise that actually it 
you know, you'll be okay. But but in that was founded that you're responsible for yourself, that you you have to you take the risk and you have to pick yourself up again. So when I when I look back, um, I mean I'm 50 in six weeks time or something I mean I look back at, at, at the time in Abbey I mean I had run a very successful business centre and was headhunted into running the centre in Abbey and literally I arrived <laughs> I arrived in 2000 and you know market was market wasn't doing so well and when I took over it was like 90% occupied and it went down to I can't, do you know Rebecca I can't even it was like something like 25 percent or something and it was it wasn't my fault but I was responsible for it and you can moan about it or you can just get on and try and and try and make it better oh um sorry my dog is having a dream in the background so if anybody can hear that noise that's what he's doing um so I love working from home um Right. So I, I often think that entrepreneurs do have a background that builds their resilience early and, and many the people I've interviewed that's kind of borne out time and time again definitely. Um, how are you helping your staff at Crichton who perhaps haven't experienced you know you and I are of a similar age we've experienced what three recessions now? Yeah yeah. Maybe four three or four how about the people who've not experienced one before? How are you helping them? Well, I think we we went early home and just I was sort of watching what was going on. And I, and I just thought I remember being in London and Boris was going to announce uh, and we were and I was like, right, that's it. We're all going home. He's going to lock us down. And then he didn't. Mm-hmm. And so we went into working from home probably, I think, 10 days before actually we were locked down and the team the team took it really well but they were a bit like she overreacting a bit and then of course I just said some I did a survey 95% of them traveled to work in public transport and I said well two things uh, that's where you're going to catch it and mm-hmm. secondly we all need to be on buses and trains which means we're, we're helping not spread it and I've just kept them I've just kept them informed but we did you know as soon as everyone went home we said right what furniture do you need you know not only take stuff home but man with van came and you know if they needed a desk or, or monitors or set up workplace assessments to make sure that they were fine my um, colleague is very focused on um just that wellness it's not it's part of work but it's not part of work if that makes sense so how are people we had a couple of people who lived alone in that very early stages making sure they were okay talking to teams have you talked to them checking in with them and 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 honestly just trying to be honest I mean I think we did a we did a survey about seven weeks in to say how how are you doing and everybody wanted to work from home forever right <laughs> like it was the best thing ever you know? <laughs> um and but but it was interesting to see that their belief in our our vision and our mission had really significantly increased and then we did a survey again in August, and it's now back to about 50% want to continue to work remotely all the time. And everybody's missing social contact. That's the that sort of just a chance to see your see your work colleagues, your mates. But again, their belief in our vision and our mission has increased. And I think that's probably kept quite a lot of them going that actually we're doing something to help not just hotels survive but their guests and um it's been uh, I, I have been honestly 
so impressed and proud of the team. They, we had this onslaught of work because literally we did all these deals and then all these hotels were told they were opening pretty much within a week across the country. <laughs> and all of a sudden we were like, oh, and they just totally stepped up. It was phenomenal to see. Uh, yeah, I was, I, I, I'm really proud of them, but I, th I think, I think we do try to look after them, but also um, I'm not their mum, you know, so I will, I will say you've got to take some responsibility for this as well. You know, you've got to make sure that if you're sitting at your desk, I'm not walking about the office going to sit up um, and you've got to, you've got to take time. So just channels on Slack, you know, lockdown fun, wellness, um, you know, staff events, team events, anything that we can. It's not easy. It's hard when you don't see them. Yeah. Um, but I think we've we've significantly upped the amount of time we spend communicating. Oh, good. So that that in itself, I think, has made a difference. Good, good. Now, lots of businesses are sitting there thinking, okay, she's got a big team. She's recruited lots of people. She's giving stuff away for free. Where's the money coming from? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were fortunate in that we, so I raised five million pounds in end of 2017. Okay. So we were, we are funded and I had done some work at the beginning of the year. I didn't think, I didn't think COVID was coming to us, but I thought it would impact on the sales cycle because I presumed that it would be like SARS and it would take time to get back to the Chinese um, tourists traveling again. And, and China has a huge impact on um, uh, tourism in the UK. Okay. So I, I, I laid off some people, I laid off uh, four, four of the team and sort of battened down the hatches a bit on cost. So that took our runway out um, well, well, sort of to, to the beginning of next year. And then, of course, we did this offer. And so I had to recruit some temporary people. And so that brought the runway back in a bit. Um, and then it's just about managing it. Um, you know, from our perspective, we're very clear on what we have to do to get to the next fundraise. And we're really excited about the fact that we're that, that not just you wouldn't have a pandemic to turn your business around, but no. not just have we got this um traction now and people using the products but actually we've seen like 180 to 200 sometimes like 500 percent growth in guests using the product wow because the product is now being talked about at board level it's seen as part of the guest journey which means there's more focus on it and it, that in itself means that all of a sudden we've got this wealth of data you know and and how we can bring insights to the hotels so we're we're pretty um you know we're, we're determined we know where we need to be to do the next fundraise but we've managed to extend the runway um and keep all the team which Good. is which Good. has been fantastic and what on earth gave you the idea for it because you know service <clears throat> businesses serviced offices rather and you, you've never been in technology before, you've never been in tourism and hospitality before. I can, I can see there are some similarities between occupancy and things like that in serviced offices, but what, what gave you the idea? Well, I mean, actually one of my mum and dad's ill-fated businesses was a small, um, a small restaurant with rooms in Fife. So when I was in my sort of late teens, early 20s, um, that was in the days when you used to write to a hotel or phone them to book a room. 
Um, so I had a bit of experience there. You know, we had a restaurant. Um, it wasn't by any means enormous, but I, I have always liked it. And I always used to say that I always thought I would have ended up as a hotelier if mum and dad hadn't done it first. Really? And shown me how much hard work it was. Um, because serviced offices is really just like a hotel, apart from the fact that your your customers, your, your guests stay with you longer. So you have a different kind of relationship with them. So, I mean, obviously when I... After the, the sort of Abbey time, you know, growing through the ranks and taking over and then eventually um, selling it, I had some time off. And then I went to work with a property developer in Edinburgh, Chris Stewart. And he said to me, I want to run these as service departments. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't want to take on a franchise or um, someone to operate it. Could you operate it? And, you know, at this point, we were walking through this building that was in bits, uh, and I said these fatal words, which was, well, I used to be quite good at putting bums on seats. How hard can heads on beds be? <laughs> Turns out it's pretty hard, actually. <laughs> but I have to say, I'm definitely, I mean, I love a challenge. I love learning something new. And, you know, I just went in all, all guns blazing and, and learned from the ground up. And it was during that time that I learned how fragmented the technology stack is in the hospitality industry. I mean, honestly, it's like, you know, you know, these um, cabinets you go into where all the cables are, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's awful. <clears throat> and it poorly served by some big vendors who haven't invested. There's, that's changing, but, you know, this was 2013 and really bad. So that had piqued my interest. And then when I was opening the, the second block of apartments, again, I was doing these information booklets and spending a fortune on them, branding them, all the information's going to them. And, you know, two weeks later, they're a date. And they're embarrassing. I used to call them my secret shame because you, you go in and you're doing a familiarization trip with a travel agent and you say, and in my lovely book is all this information about the history of this building. You open it. One time there was a sock in it. No. For the Harry Potter fans, I was very excited because that meant I'm a free elf. And, uh, you know, crumbs, people eat their, they, you know, drink their coffee over it. Yeah. You know, in hotels, it's the same, isn't it? You sort of pick up these menus like that. So the sort of idea came to me that actually I would like to digitize it. And then what could I do if I could digitize it? What else could I do with it? And that's really where Crichton came from. Uh, and I mean, honestly, still to this day, I, th I think, what the heck was I thinking that I could go and run a technology business? You know, I mean, I am a tech, I'm a technologist fan and I'm, you know, I have forever more been um, IT support for family, uh, but it's not the same. The learning curve that I have gone through has been, I mean, oh my goodness, I, I'm amazed there's any space left in my brain. I don't think there is any space. <laughs> I'm writing over old files now. Um, it's just been phenomenal so interesting and you know a lot of the stuff that happens in technology is absolutely fascinating just the way that the the structures and the operations work um so so yeah it's been fascinating but that's that's where the idea came from and then for some reason I was like oh I'll start a technology business you know I'll just get a developer and it'll be fine we'll develop it I mean literally no clue how hard it was going to be I've often said that actually the best businesses are run by the people who aren't the experts in that field. 
because if you were, you'd never get started because you would know exactly how difficult it was going to be. Yeah. And, you know, when, so, so basically the, I, I, what happened was I got a quote for an app. It was far too expensive. I was an internal startup. I didn't have the budget. And so I Googled WordPress for apps, uh-huh. build your own app. That was what I wanted to do. It didn't exist. I went away and spoke to a developer. He was like, oh, Apple's a bit tricky about that sort of thing. And then, and then I, I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. And, and in the end, you know, we, I, I basically sold my house in Edinburgh and the money that I had made when we sold Abbey had gone into that and that, and I moved up to my holiday home and that's the seed capital that went into Start Crichton. And, um, but, but because of the way that my parents had been, I was like, I need to be sure that if this doesn't work, I'll be okay. Like I'm not going to end up homeless. Well, and also that was a deal with my husband. Um, But then after a while, I, you know, so people were like, you've moved to Fife and you're starting an app. What are you doing, Julie? You know, and, and I kept saying to people, but it's fine. You know, it's totally fine. If this doesn't work, I'll be fine. And after I think about six months, I heard myself saying it one day and I was like, right, hi, you're setting yourself up to fail here because yeah. in your head, you're like, it doesn't matter if this doesn't work. And it was, yeah. it was, it was quite interesting, that sort of mindset of, I have no clue what I'm doing, but you just sort of follow your nose and you make mistakes. And, you know, I, I have said so often, Rebecca, I'd love to do this all again because I'd do it so much better. Yeah, yeah, potentially. And that 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 phrase that you used for yourself there, you know, it doesn't matter if this doesn't work. It, it's really interesting. I've caught myself saying that about what I do as well, because I can always go back just to be a self-employed consultant and earn a very nice living. Thank you. Yeah. And you're right, I stopped myself doing that too, because you think, no, it does matter if it fails, it really matters. Um, And you've obviously got much further ahead than me. We we haven't had five million pounds investment yet, (laughs) but I'll I'll work on it. Um, But but then you become responsible for other people and you're paying their wages and then it really matters a lot. Yeah, and that's one of the big learnings about technology. I mean, when I... So through that first year, I got some money from Scottish Enterprise, and you know, I was like, I'm going to spend fifty thousand pounds on it. I invested one hundred and fifty thousand pounds in it, and then I leveraged it, and, and you know, that was really good. And we learned a lot, and we used an open source platform to get out there, uh, and um, that you know, started off service departments and holiday homes, and then things changed, and we couldn't do holiday homes, we couldn't make the money. But if I had, if I'd been a developer, I would have tried to build an app builder. I what I have now isn't an app builder because um, people, hoteliers don't want to build their own app. They want an app and they want content control, but they don't need to have that whole front-facing, um, enormous estate to help them build their own app. So I would, I would have gone wrong, and and that's what I see. Like I talk to my chairman about this quite often because we say, oh, I might have done this differently. Would we be in a different place? I don't know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The, point about the product is that I was ahead of the game in terms of the idea you know a white label for for a hotel to have their own app you know it was seen as something only the chains could afford and how would you get all this technology together so and as I say you would never want a pandemic to help your product in any way but it has moved it into the forefront of right we really do have to sort out 
the technology stack and uh, allow independents to compete against the, the bigger chains. Definitely. Okay, where next, Julie? Well, I mean, I talked a little bit about our, our runway. We have, I mean, the work that we've done in this product, we launched a, a complete rebuild in October 19. Uh, as I say, we, we're now sort of nearly 16,000 rooms, 400 odd locations. We've got more integrations to do, but we have a really good bank. So building that marketplace of um, products that come into the, to the app, making sure that it continues to be a great guest experience, the data that we're collecting to help hoteliers with the insight, you know, so everyone's like, I need big data. No, actually, you need insight, right? You need to know what that data is telling you to make better decisions. All of that will need more investment. And, you know, that was always the plan. So we're pretty focused on trying to get to the point where we can raise that next round. And, and you know, fingers crossed that'll be um, at some point next year. And your product is one of the ways that the small hotel tourist um, attraction venue will get back on its feet. I think the the reassurance that they can offer to clients is going to be huge, isn't it? I think I think so. Well, I think I, what I've said to hoteliers is, look, I've been banging on about this for four years. No guest skips into reception desperate to stand in a queue for checkout for check in, and have the same banal conversation with a over you know a, a busy receptionist who yeah. just wants to process you. So there's a different kind of demand for the product, that whole self-service, go directly to your room, get on with your, your stay or your break. But the contactless piece and the guest safety is clearly what's very much in focus right now. But ultimately, if you look at how the airlines took us through that journey, whereas to, to now, if, some, if an airline said you have to stand in a queue to um, check in, you'd be like, <laughs> what? I don't want to stand in a queue to check in. How very dare you not let me download my onboarding pass? That's where we will get to with hotels, I, I fundamentally believe. But the hoteliers have to move past this idea that uh, hospitality begins at reception. You know, two to five minutes is too long standing in a reception queue and you cannot staff that at the busy periods because everybody arrives at five on a Friday and everybody leaves at 12 on a Sunday. So, um, so yeah, there's still work to be done there, but it's, you know, it's a as I say, a hugely inspirational industry who have been poorly served by their technology vendors and that's now changing and it's amazing to see that coming through. And you really are disrupting it, aren't you? This is a massive disruption. Yeah, trying to make it affordable. So that's the other thing about SaaS. You know, I'm building a very expensive product which I need to sell at volume to make it affordable. So that's why you need the investment in the first place. And we're starting to see that traction, but we have to help hotels embed the product in their standing operating procedures and we need to prove the ROI on it. So it's um, it, it's a really, really interesting time to be in this. And uh, yeah, I hope we are disrupting it. Yeah, good. Okay, last question. Crichton had a personality. How would you describe its personality? Well, it's super easy. So Crichton comes from uh, the admirable Crichton, which was a stage play written by J.M. Barry, who wrote Peter oh. Pan, wow. because he's a butler and he's a butler who saves the day. And I was looking for this ethos of a a strong butler. So I always see um, in my head Crichton is this really sort of you know, 
hardworking, but you know, can step up to the front if need be and just gets things done and everything runs smoothly and underneath he's like running around, you know. So that that's absolutely where I where I see our product is it should it should be hardly noticeable but make everything run wonderfully. Oh, beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much, Julie. I really appreciate your time. I know how incredibly busy you are. Thank you. Brilliant to chat to you, Rebecca. Thank you for listening to our Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. You can find us at tricrest.com and you can find Feel My Business there too. Answer the 12 questions in less than 60 seconds and find out exactly what's happening in your business and then even better, learn how to fix it. Did you know you can access our Tricrest partners through Feel My Business too? Just upgrade your subscription and you can get access to them in a group coaching session once a month or even one-to-one. -one. Enjoy.